today on It's Time. But this old sin nature that we wrestle with, God helps us overcome these things. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 1 Timothy. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. And this morning, if you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of 1 Timothy. Uh, we're finishing up chapter 5 and then going to go into chapter 6. Just a little bit of review because it's important. Now, Paul the Apostle is writing to a young minister. This young minister, Timothy, probably somewhere around 30 years old. We don't know for sure. But uh, he was writing to him, giving him some points on, on how to be a good minister for the Lord. And so as we've been going through the entirety of this book, we, we've, we come up today, and I'll just do a little bit of review when we come to verse 21 of chapter 5. Let's pray. Father, as we read your word today, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and encourage us. Cause us to remember what's important in this life and what isn't. And so we ask you now that as we would spend this time reading your words, that first of all, God, we'd understand it, and second of all, We'd remember it and help us to live what we read today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the Bible says everything you need for life and godliness is in the Bible. That's what you need. And what you believe is how you live your life. And so if you believe the lies of the world as an example, party on, do your own thing. If it feels good, do it. You will find yourself, your life, in great trouble Because the Bible says it's not within man to live righteously. So we need help. So I can't be good on my own. I know a lot of times you parents, you look at your children and say, can't you just be good? They'll look at you and go, no, that's true. They can't. Why is that? Because it's not within us to be good. And you say, well, I don't, I don't think so. I think kids have just been programmed negatively. This was the big thing of uh, Charles Manson many years ago, that he was going to start the race war by killing Sharon Tate, all that stuff. And then out of the desert came this group of children that never heard the word no. And they were going to then become the, the uh, new world, the new glorious generation. Well, I don't know if you've ever been around anyone that's never heard the word no, but they're most spoiled. God knows how to tell us yes, and he tells us how to, tells us how to say no. And I, I believe, friends, it's really important. Now, one thing about God is this. God just doesn't tell us no, 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 no. He tells us yes, 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 yes on the things that we're supposed to be about. So, What Timothy is receiving from Paul, the elderly Paul the Apostle, writing to a young minister, he says in verse 21, I charge you before before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe the things without prejudice, doing nothing 
with partiality. Oh, this is a problem sometimes. It happens in the church too. In fact, the book of James, uh, a little farther up, says if somebody comes in your church and they're dressed real nice and they got a big old limo out in front, you go, well, you sit up here. He said if somebody comes in the church dressed in vile raiment, rags or something, uh, you go, ooh, you sit back here. Well, nobody's got to look at you. Boy, James chews into him and says you shouldn't be doing that. That's wrong to do that. So partiality can come in many different ways. We can show prejudice because of the color of somebody's skin. We can show prejudice on a lot of different things. But the Bible says we do everything and treat everybody the same. God has no favorites in this regard. He doesn't prefer one over another, but those that love him, who call him daddy, that you let him be your father, those are the ones that God says, you're my kids, enter into the joy of the Lord. That's what I want. That's what I want to see for me. That's what I want to see for you. So there's a real importance then, we as Christians, not showing partiality or, as it says here, prejudice. Don't lay hands on anyone hastily or suddenly. Now, this laying on of hands was a recognition by the congregation where you pray for somebody that they're going to do something for God. He says, don't do that really too quick because... um, and anybody here knows this, uh, if you're a boss uh, in, in a company or something and you promote somebody and then they don't work out very well, it's real hard to take back authority. So you want to be real careful when you give out authority because it's, it's real easy to give, real hard to take back, okay? Everything you need to know about life is in the Bible. Everything you need to know about behavior is in the Bible. God was around uh, and made everybody. He knows what it takes. So using the principles in God's word to help us live our lives, be good bosses, be good workers, be children of the king, I think is so important. So don't lay hand on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Get out of other people's sins. Now, a real important thing here. They came to Jesus one time and they said, Jesus, why do you eat with the publicans and the sinners? And Jesus said, well, the sick ones are the ones who need the doctor. I like that. Oh, I'm not, I'm not um, to the point where I don't want to go out and help people. But be careful if their problems begin to influence your viewpoints. This is a real problem sometimes. Well, you know, I've been going down and hanging out with my friend, you know, and his friends. And, you know, they bring out the bung and we're all getting loaded in stone. Well, you know, I'm there just to tell them not to do that. And then all of a sudden I find myself doing that. You got to be careful. Use wisdom in our friendships, in our relationships, because of this reason, because you don't want what they're doing to affect you. Now, here's the problem. There's one thing about having people that you're trying to reach that are not saved and reaching out to them in God's love. It's another thing, as it says here, to find yourself included in their group. Now, again, uh, you have to be careful of those things because as an example, uh, if uh, the cops come and everybody gets busted and you're there, well, they'll haul you off too. So we just need to be real careful on letting other people's um, sins affect us. Keep yourself pure, is what he says here. Verse 23, no longer drink only water, 
but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your other infirmities or your frequent infirmities. Now, this isn't an excuse to drink, but what he's saying here is he's saying uh, dysentery was rampant in those days. Fresh drinking water was a rarity. And so uh, there was a lot of stomach problems. Well, he's saying take some wine for your stomach and your other infirmities. What do we glean from this? Well, first of all, there's bad doctrine that goes around in the church. And again, this is why it's important to study the whole counsel of God's word. If you study the whole counsel of God's word, you won't get ripped off. There are people that come along today, and you'll see sometimes TV evangelists and others saying things like, well, the reason you're sick is there's sin in your life. Or the reason you're sick, you don't have enough faith. Well, that is not what Paul says here. Paul's saying to drink some wine for your stomach and your other infirmities or your frequent infirmities simply means that sometimes we just get sick because we're on this side of heaven and our bodies break down and there's flu bugs and all kinds of stuff out there. And if you had the unfortunate experience of having the flu, my heart goes out to you. Well, it isn't because you didn't have enough faith. It isn't because you didn't use your faith words. It's because we live in a fallen world. And there's a lot of things here in this world that whether you're a Christian or not will affect you. So he says, drink some wine for your stomach and your other infirmities. Now, again, what does the Bible have to say about drinking? It has actually a lot to say. The Bible tells us as a Christian, if you're born again here today, where you've accepted what Jesus has done for you on the cross, Paul says all things are lawful, but not all things are the best for us. So we have to use balance here. Now, it says, as Paul uh, wrote to Timothy a couple chapters back in chapter 3, he said that ministers aren't to be drinking because, again, it'll affect your judgment. Deacons, on the other hand, can have a little wine. I think mostly because of the thing of perception. Is that beer number one or beer number six? You know, that, that can affect. I, 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 the Bible says to be instant in season and out of season. I find that it might be hard to be in season if I'm stoned, okay? So I don't drink. That's, that's good. A couple of things, though, if you don't drink. One, you never have to worry about a DUI, do you? That's great news. Number two, you don't ever have to worry about being an alcoholic. So there's some advantages. But the Bible doesn't say it's a sin to drink. The Bible says it is a sin to get drunk. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Be not drunk with wine where in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's what the Bible says. Now, there's other verses in the Bible that talk about alcohol and things like that. And again, Paul says, All things are lawful for you as a Christian, but maybe not all things are the best for you. In other words, we're not saved because I do and don't do certain things. I'm saved, you're saved because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's important to know. But the Bible tells us in uh, uh, Proverbs 20, it says, wine is a, uh, a mocker, strong drink is raging, and people that are deceived by it are not wise. And then further, it says, it says, wine is for people who are dying. Now, certainly we find Timothy are not dying. He had some stomach problems. But the point is, is simply this. Don't be drunk. The Bible says, be instant in season and out of season. If I'm drunk, I'm not being what God wants me to be. That doesn't mean if I have a beer, I'm going to hell or that's a big sin. But what it does, what I need to be careful of is, first of all, how it's perceived by others and how is it affecting me? And so when we look at those things, as Paul said earlier in the verse before, keep yourself pure. That's the best thing. So again, we're free in Christ. 
enjoy the freedom that we have in Christ, but be careful not to be overtaken by anything because you can be. He says, for your other infirmities. Well, what do we do with the doctrines that come along and say, well, the reason you're sick, brother, is you had a negative confession. You say, oh, well, I think I'm catching a cold. Whoa, well, you got a cold. No, that's not the way it works. Sometimes it's common sense. I think I'm getting a cold. I think I'll put a coat on. That's okay. That's wisdom. But there are some extreme beliefs out there that say, well, if you have sin in your life, that's why you're sick. Now, is it possible? Can sin make us sick? It sure can. You, you get a good, uh, you get hooked up with alcohol good enough, become an alcoholic, you're going to have liver problems. But that doesn't mean every time a person's sick, it's because they did something wrong. And this is where the error comes in. So first of all, we have to remember, we live in a fallen world. And because we live in a fallen world, there's, this is why we're all longing for a, a new body and a new heaven to go to. The second thing we have to remember is just because you're sick doesn't mean you didn't have enough faith or there's sin in your life. It simply means sometimes that's just the way that it works. We're going to read on here a little bit farther in chapter 6 and we're going to see that. The second thing we find here, it says some men's sins are clearly evident. And some people's are. It just, it just is. It might be profanity or, or what other, or some other thing. And some people's sins, he says here, preceding them to judgment. And then there are those um, that are quiet, that follow them later. And it's the same way it is with good works. Some are clearly evidence, and some that are otherwise cannot be seen. They'll be rewarded on judgment day when God the Bible says even a cup of cold water in his name, he carries a reward. So you, you don't want to worry. But so much of today, we're all geared about show. You know, the, the outward appearance of everything. And really what we find is Paul has been writing to Timothy saying, let what God is doing be on the inside of you. Anybody can put on a fancy suit, drive a fancy car, and everybody thinks they're of somewhat. But the thing is, inside, we can still be empty and lonely. This is the problem. And so he says that we need to be careful of that. And just the same way it is with those things that are done for others, just because everybody doesn't see you do it and no one's giving you accolade for doing something like going next door and cooking a meal for the person that lives next door to you that broke their leg and can't do that. And you show that that Christian benevolent heart of helping Just because maybe nobody sees it doesn't mean God didn't see it and you'll be rewarded for it. Now, as we go into chapter six, he's talking here and it's interesting because I've actually heard people say, well, this is all about slavery. And since we don't have slavery, uh, we don't really spend much time on this. Well, nothing is farther from the truth. Anybody here that has a job, you have sold your time to your employer or your boss. And so he says, let as many servants that are under the yoke, count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. Now, again, actually the word here for servants is bond slave or slave. Um, But here's the point. If you're an employee, you want to do a good job for Jesus. You're not really working for the company as much as we're working for God. And I want to do the best I can so that no one see, no one can say, boy, that person sure doesn't care. Because we reflect 
our father's eyes. I, I mean, we do. The Bible says we're his offspring. We have our father's eyes. We, we resemble or should resemble him in this world. So he says that these things are done so people won't, uh, won't blaspheme. In other words, yeah, that guy's a Christian. He, he works for the, for the boss. He's always goofing off. He, he checks out early or whatever. I remember a, a couple of stories, and this one actually happened to me one time, uh, where I worked for a company, and um, on Friday afternoon, about three o'clock, uh, the boss wasn't there, and so they would uh, appoint the person to go through the time cards at five o'clock and punch everybody out. Meanwhile, everybody left two hours ago at three o'clock. And so then it come to your turn to do that. And then you say, well, I'm not going to do that. And second of all, even though everybody has left at three o'clock, I'm staying until five because that's what I'm being paid for. I don't work for a man. I don't work for a company. I work for God. And so that reflects in the way we do things. And because of that, that creates a work ethic in us that is not found in the world. And by the way, when it comes time for promotions, I guarantee you a boss that's really an honest boss that sees somebody work, that's the one that's going to get the promotion. Not somebody that checks out early, puts their friends up to clocking them out or some other devious thing they're doing or stealing from the company or all the things that go on, but we want to do a good job for our king because we're ultimately working for him. And so when it talks about slaves and masters here, you might want to just put employees and bosses. Well, there's some words concerning bosses too. And those who have believing masters or bosses, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who have benefited are believers, beloved, teach and exhort these things. He says, in other words, if you've got a Christian boss, don't just say, well, he's a Christian boss and I'm a Christian, so I can goof off. He said, you don't want to do that. You want to reflect what we do. Everything about you. See, that's one of the neat things about becoming a Christian and growing in the Lord. When we first accept Christ as our Savior, our sins are forgiven. And you know, we're freed up from a lot of junk that has followed us. Now, God begins his work. I'm I'm glad God doesn't clean us all at once. I heard it said one time, it's like, uh, uh, we invite Jesus to come into our home. And he comes into our house and he begins and he uh, calls uh, the big uh, truck company and trash truck company and backs them up to the front door. And Jesus begins to pitch stuff out through the front door. Well, God goes through, cleans everything up. Okay, bring the new new stuff in. God brings the new stuff in. By the way, God has to take the old out for you to have room to put the new in. We only have so much room to contain. So if you've been holding on to the imitation, it's time to let it go and get the real thing. Because the world offers the imitation. I, 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 th- to this day, I still think about it because occasionally I was in a store the other day and I thought about it. I heard a song by the Beatles. All you need is love. Do, 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 do. All you need is love. And then they broke up and I'm going, I don't want that kind of love. It's phony. I want the real thing. So the thing is, as I look at this, I realize that that. God's got a, 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 a way of cleaning us out. But then it's like we go to, the, we have this, we have a little hallway closet there. And Jesus gets ready to open that one. Oh, don't open that one up. 
you know, and and uh, we'll we'll try to defer him to any other place but that one closet. Well, I, I found that when God really truly cleans us out, we're we're going to be a lot more freer than we are now. And this is really what we find here in this. So he says, he says. Those that are believing masters. Again, we don't want to take advantage of somebody just because they're a Christian. Teach and exhort these things. Uh, by the way, somebody would say, well, what else would you teach? I found a lot of junk. I've heard some of the weirdest things taught in church in my life. Well, you know, God helps those who help themselves. As the Bible says. You know what I found? That verse is not in the Bible. It's nowhere in the Bible. God helps those that help themselves. In fact, as I've studied the scripture, I find that God helps those who can't help themselves. (laughs) I like that. Well, some other great verses in the Bible that aren't there. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, that's not in the Bible either. And there's a lot of things out there. People can teach a lot of flowery things. Oh, how about some uh, self-motivational speaking? Yeah. Get out there. You can do it. Focus on the inner light within you. Set in the lotus position in your living room and focus on the third eye in the middle of your forehead. Oh, yeah, that's going to do a lot of good. What does the Bible say? Teach these things. The things that are going to make a difference in your life. The things that are going to change the way you... Help. Now, by the way, God never expects me to do something that he won't help me do. Again, the Bible says it's not within man to live righteously. (laughs) Again, can't you kids be good? No. By the way, I don't know how kids learn this. And if you've had kids or been in a room full of kids or you've been a Sunday school teacher, this is something that mystifies me. Big box of toys. One kid pulls out one toy. And they all want that one. How is that? This is the one that glows in the dark. I don't know what they do, but they get one toy. They all want it. They will pull each other's hair out, blind each other to get the one toy. And then when the one doesn't want it, we'll get another one. And then I want to fight over that one. I have never understood this. But this old sin nature that we wrestle with, God helps us overcome these things. And so if God ever identifies anything in our lives, it's only because he wants to do something brand new in our life. You know, the Bible tells us, David tells us in the Psalms, his promises are new every morning. I need that. I need that. Why? Because most of us, in one way or another, splattered yesterday a little more than we wished. You know, it's the wish of would-haves. Well, how does God do that? Well, God is bigger than the things we've done wrong. That's only God can do that. Religions of the world, as I've shared many times, offer some way in their own minds to get right with God. Go burn incense six, go sow so many prayers, wear these kind of clothes, sell flowers in airports, you know, all these different things. But none of them ever, because they don't have a God that does this, fix us. I love that where Paul says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In the Hebrew, that's daddy. A good daddy knows how to fix what's broken inside of us. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, 
you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.